Batman 66 meets the Green Hornet. Television history was made when these two masked crime fighters met in a historic television crossover. Now superstar filmmaker Kevin Smith and radio host comedian Ralph Garman join forces with artist Ty Templeton to bring the greatest heroes of the 60s and their famous partners Robin and Cato together again. Don't miss this brand new digital comic series co-published by DC Comics and Dynamite Comics featuring painted covers by Alex Ross. Get the first issue now for only $1.99 on the DC Comics app for iPhone and Android. Read DCEntertainment.com, the Comixology app for Amazon's Kindle Fire, the Google Play Store, and more. Don't miss Batman 66 meets the Green Hornet, number one. Available now. Hello, everybody. I hope you enjoyed last week's recap of the last few weeks of news I did from Hawaii. Um, as I mentioned, I'm in the dead middle now of production on Idiot Test, my game show network show, which comes out August 12th. Gotta watch that shit. Spread the word. Much love. Um, so I'm unable to do another news episode this week. I'm not even sure if I can do it next week either because we're in production again insanely. Um, uh, the next, for the next two and a half weeks. But um, I will at least try to release a bonus episode every week, if at all possible. Um, and I wasn't didn't have one recorded for this week, and then I just lucked into a really cool one that I just recorded. As I was finished recording on the set today at Hollywood Center Studios, um, I ran into Brody Stevens, who many of you I'm sure know. He's a very famous comedian, just had his own show on Comedy Central called Brody Stevens' Enjoy It! Um, he, uh, the show that he sold was Zach Galifianakis and was kind of a reality show about his life and covering his struggles, his mental, not breakdown, but sort of mental breakdown that he had this like manic episode land that landed him in a, uh, in, in observation psychiatric facility, um, for a little while while they adjusted his meds for a few days while they were working on his meds trying to get him under control. Um, but the guy is also a genius comedian, in my opinion, in many comedians' opinions. He's a brilliant guy, a very, very nice man, a very enthusiastic guy, and his stand-up style is so unique that I think maybe even some part of his problems with the law, if you can say it that way, were due to people misunderstanding him. But anyway, he's now the warm-up guy, for At Midnight, which is shooting on the same lot as my show. We're in stage four, he's in, and they're in stage two. And um, Brody also used to do warm-up for Chelsea lately before he had a falling out in a crazy dramatic incident there a few years ago um, as well. And now he's also on the Chelsea Roundtable often as well and has mended his fences there. Um, so I ran into him and just recorded a last week on the road. L-W-O-T-R is the hashtag. Um... And the initials of it as well. Um, asked him if he could do a quick conversation with me. We ended up talking for about an hour right before he warmed up the second taping for that day of, of for today of at midnight's audience. And so we started the conversation on my studio lot um, as people were finishing wrapping out our whole production. And then we walked along past his studio, walked into my offices for a while, which he told me a cool thing about my offices as we walked in that you'll hear. And um, you'll also get a very rare and interesting look behind the scenes at just, you'll, or, a, or a listen, rather, more specifically or accurately, at what it's like on a studio lot when it's not currently in the hustle bustle of shooting. Um, something I always dreamed about was being on a studio lot and having my own show and 
being able to just in any way to work on those lots. I remember I had a job once um, at a prop house, and I was delivering um, props and products, or at a property, at a product house, rather, product placement house, delivering props and products to studio lots. And I would just wander and like linger way too long on my delivery on the Universal lot, where I now get to tape Chelsea, or on this lot, Hollywood Center Studios. It was so exciting to be where they make TV happen. And movies happen. And um, Brody shares the same excitement that I do for that. So you'll get to hear some background noise and some people hopping into our conversation briefly as we pass them. Some production people and producers of my show or his show and audience coordinators and other comedians about to go tape at midnight. Um, it was just very interesting and a very interesting talk. We covered all of the things that I just mentioned about Brody's life and his struggles and his successes. And um, it ends in a really cool way, I think. And um, I think you'll enjoy it. So without any further delay, uh, please enjoy this last week on Earth featuring the brilliant and very interesting personality and comedian, Stephen Brody Stevens. Enjoy it. Yeah, man. So it's funny to run into you on the lot yesterday. Yeah, we're on the lot at uh, Hollywood Center Studios. Yeah, I'm hanging out here. I've done a lot of work on this studio lot in the last 10, 15 years. What other shows have you done work for here? On this lot, I've done The Man Show, final season with Joe Rogan and Doug Stanhope. I've done a lot of Comedy Central pilots. I did The Burn with Jeff Ross, Ridiculousness nice. with Anthony Jeselnik. No, you Re mean Je Ridiculousness with Anthony Jeselnik? Did I say Ridiculousness? You meant that's with oh. Hedrick. Oh, yeah. You caught me. I'll please erase that. No, I, yeah, ridiculous. <laughs> Why are you lying to me? Uh, I, you know, it's in me, Ben. I'm sorry. No, I, um, but, yeah, at midnight also. So it's a good lot. I like it. It's easy to get to. It's small. It's not yeah. crazy like, uh, you know, one of the Warner Brothers or Fox lot. So, I'm, yeah, I, I, I get to do warm-up. But I tell the audiences, that, oh, I'm just hanging out here. I'm hanging out. <laughs> you, know, cause awesome. I'm, you know, it's like, you know, warm-up's a tough gig. But you gotta I sell it different ways. What year was it the did man show here at the, on the lot? That was probably early two thousands. So whenever Joe and Stan Hope were hosting it, I would say two thousand and three, maybe two thousand and two, and that was crazy. That was like three hundred people. Joe Rogan and Stan Hope. Yeah, wow. they hosted. It. I forgot they hosted it. Yeah, they did the year after uh, Kimmel and uh, Corolla left. And you know it was a it was a crazy environment, and I pushed it, and you know only lasted one season, unfortunately, but it was a great experience. Yeah, and you, of course, were the legendary warm up guy of Chelsea Lately. I did Chelsea Lately for a long time, and the first bunch of seasons, I was always you were always there when I was doing the taping. You got a Glebe crushing, um, Brody equally crushing in yes. his own right, blending in. <laughs> yeah, I started at Chelsea. Early on, and it was this is like it was like folding chairs. There weren't bleachers yet, and they used a couple different warm ups. I was working over on another show, and they had people doing warm up who didn't even really do warm up. Right. So when I became available, I knew a bunch of the crew guys, and they said, "Why don't you come over here?" And I knew Chelsea, and they brought me in. I did a few test shows, you know, real shows test for me. Right. And they liked it, and they ended up giving me more shows and. I started getting the feel of it and getting more comfortable and pushing it a little more. And 
you know, I made it, just pushed it. And it took a, it took me a while to get there, get comfortable and understand all the dynamics and parameters of the show. But I think it was when Snoop Dogg came on, I, I made a special mix for him. So I made some <laughs> special music for Snoop Dogg. And I knew that he liked me from Best Damn Sports Show. I did warm up there over at Fox. So I'd always do hip hop stuff for him. So he, that was when it started clicking for you there when you, when you had the, Snoop Dogg Day. Yeah, well, yeah, Chelsea, yeah. So I made all that hip-hop music, and it just made it, like, really a, a, a rocking atmosphere. Yeah, I love that that, uh, that you were telling me yesterday that doing this new gig on At Midnight, because it's fairly new, it's first season of the show, right? Well, I guess it's second season yeah. already picked up, but it's first, you know, it's kind of brand-new run. And you said, you said to me in classic Brody style, you said, Working on it, trying to recreate the magic of Olympic and Bundy. You got it. Former studio home of E and Chelsea Lately. Yeah, it's... Uh, before they moved to Universal. Before they moved to Universal, got big. Yeah, and then recently you... And then obviously, and recently you started doing the roundtable again. Now, now you're not warm up on Chelsea anymore, but you started doing the roundtable again. Yeah, I've been doing it for... You I did think it back the last, in the day, too. Yeah, I would do it occasionally back in the day, and then they started... Doing me maybe every couple, three months. I've done it maybe 15, 20 times now, which is, I mean, it's a hard, I mean, I have, I know you've been on it a bunch and you kind of know you and Chelsea have a good, I mean, you've good energy going back and forth and all that. And I'm getting there. You know, she kind of, she's jokes at me too. Similar kind of, yeah. you know, likes to pick on us. Well, it's perfect that you're getting there considering the show's almost done. I know. Yeah. Like I'm <laughs> finally getting comfortable and now she's leaving, but I had a great experience there, I've nothing but, you know, nothing but positives, and I really felt like that job. I felt like it really was a good as a comedian. It helped me. Like I worked at Best Damn Sports Show. It's a lot of babysitting. It's sports. It's uh, every high school and college was there. I liked it. Don't get me wrong, mm. and it was great. I really cut my teeth there. But then when I went to Chelsea, it was like boom. It was just tight, and it was all comedy. It wasn't yeah. sports and. It was just it fun. It was fun for me, yeah. And then you had obviously a very interesting trajectory and kind of up and down experience and back up again, fortunately, at that show. But tell me about the day that I was there when, when shit went a little crazy doing warm up. <laughs> you Some know, call it the meltdown day. I don't you know. got it. It started. The fuse was lit. <laughs> All I know is I shall, I'll set the stage for you from what I saw. I showed up for the second taping on this day and I was on the round table with Whitney and I think Dan Levy. Yeah. And we showed up and the vibe was just so weird. All of a sudden everybody's like, do you hear what happened? She went down with Brody. He was yelling at people or something and like security asked him to leave or had to take him off the lot. And he was screaming about something. That's all I know. What happened? <laughs> <laughs> I know there's security. Well, may, there may have been. Who knows? <laughs> I think there was. Ah. Yeah, I think... Uh, Not that it was needed, but, you know, when, when, when shit's awkward, maybe they just call out of precaution or something. I don't know, but... You know what happened? I'll tell you what happened. I've mentioned... I've, I've told the story before. It's like, I worked there, and I, I, I after the first couple months, you know, I got it going rocking. So everything was good. And every few months would be, or a couple months would be something that comes up that I would notice on the floor. Maybe they wouldn't notice. So I'll give you an example. They were saying that, you know, everything was fine. And then it became, Brody, we're getting complaints that you're being mean to some of the hard on the VIPs. And I said, <laughs> you're, you're loading an audience and I'm warming them up. And then the last minute you bring in like four people and sit them right in the front row and the whole crowd 
looks at them, right. and they go, who are these guys? Why are they sitting there? They weren't here for anything. And it kills, it hurts the vibe, number one. And number two, they don't laugh. Right. They're like, that's a normal, I'm not blaming the VIP, but They're that's a normal, cool met- exactly. So you put them right in front of me. And so I was like, so I, they said, Brody, you're being, we're getting complaints. And I go, you know what? I've asked, can you put them in the front row where I don't see them? Put them in the front row right there, not in the middle. Mm-hmm. So they put them in the front row, problem solved, mm-hmm. gone. And I had no other problems. So that's why when I had this problem, it was a problem because I never had problems. Right. So that day, Chelsea was, um, she was preparing to do one of the award shows, like an MTV video awards, something like to that. Host it. Yes. So we had to do extra shows to cover for that. And we shot on a Saturday. It may even, it felt like, so it was a Saturday. And the whole building was empty, so it was kind of not a normal energy. We were just doing the show because mm-hmm. it was a Saturday. So I get there, and everyone was, like, loose and relaxed because it wasn't normal. Mm-hmm. And I got to go in there and warm up the crowd because I took it personally when Chelsea said, oh, what are you guys, uh, not alive? Like, I remember one time she said that. That was another time early on. Mm-hmm. She said, she, like, said to the crowd, what, what are you guys, asleep? Yeah. And then at that point, I said, okay, we're going to crush it now. I'm mm-hmm. going to, like, really make this thing. And that was another thing that got me going. So anyway, that day, I'm in there, and I'm, war- I'm trying to warm up the crowd. The mic's barely working. It's cutting in and out. The crew guys are goofing with me. Not in a bad way, but enough to where it's messing me up. And I'm trying to warm them up. It's a weird thing. And I go, just play the music. I'm going to walk outside. And I, like, walk outside. Again, I'm warming them up. So yeah. I'm, like, into it. Yeah. And I go outside in the hallway, and I see one of the producers there, and I go, I go, these guys are driving me nuts in there. It's like trying to warm up the crowd. And he goes, what do, what do you want me to do about it? I go, nothing. I'm just telling you. He goes, well, you uh, interrupted a conversation. I go, I'm warming up the crowd for the show, for guys you help put together. Yeah. And so I said, okay. So then I, I mean, because it was so quiet there, every, people could hear it. Because there was nothing going on that day. So it's like, oh, they heard. So I go down in the restroom, and then one of the producers comes. Go, what's happened? What happened? I go, nothing. I was just kind of like, you're bugging me in the studio. And I walk outside just to vent a little. Say, can somebody help me out there? And so he said, don't worry about it. Just go do the the rest of the show. So I went in there and did the rest of the show. It was was fine. And then there's two shows that day. So I was between the shows... I went in the back in one of the dressing rooms, and I saw, I don't want to say his name, but yeah. we're, it's all good now anyway, for the most part. <laughs> I'm good. Yeah. I think he's good, too. So he comes back there and said something like, what happened, or out in the hallway, mm-hmm. and I said, you know, I, I go, the, the, the guys are, I'm trying to, I, was, I wasn't telling you what, to, I was just venting. And he goes, why are you telling me? You need to go to your superior. I go, I go who is my superior? Mm-hmm. I don't have, I, I show up and do the warm-up and leave. I don't have a superior. Right. And I go, I go, I, I, okay, I'm not expecting you to do anything. I just told you, but now I know that you're not. And I said, you know what? I've been here for four years. I've done 300 shows. Not once have I complained. Not once. Mm-hmm. So I complained the one time. Right. Are you guys going to come down on me? Okay. One time. It's not like I had complaints. And so like then this. weren't you like, I'll, I'll show you what happens when I don't warm them up the next show. 
Right. And, so like, tank the next show. Well, what, this is what I did. Yeah. I said, oh, okay. Oh, that was on, right. I said, I'm not going to do extra because when you do war, the one, the shows, the shows I've all worked on, I'm there the whole time. Yeah. I warm them up. I stay all the way through the end. Mm-hmm. There's some shows, some talk shows where you do the warm up and you're done. Right. You do it, you're 10 minutes, you're out. Me, I stay. And I don't know any other way. Mm-hmm. It's like I'm committed to it. Yeah. And I feel that's bonus. That's extra. For me to, to conduct the audience essentially, get them in that rhythm, that's really not my job. That's extra, I feel. You know, why there's so, and that you have to be in a good mood. Yeah. You have, when you, when I'm in warm up, I have to be happy. Yeah. I have to be really, if I got guys come down on me, it's like, oh, are you bumming me out? And then I got to go, hey, hello. It's like, <laughs> but that never happens. Yeah. Rare, I've done 2,500 shows. It's happened less than three times. Right. So, um, less than five. <laughs> so the, I, I go, you know what? I'm going to warm them up. I'm going to warm up the crowd and then I'm not going to do the extra. It's guys, you know, just came down on me like, right. okay. You're not going to help well, but me? But that wasn't part of the job description to make sure that they were like pumped up when a joke hits and make sure that they're bumped up, come back from commercial? I think that, well, they play music right. coming back from commercials. Right. Like when the show starts, I mean, at Chelsea, this is what it was like. And they do also have a stage manager there that says, come on, come on, la- applause, right. in addition to the warm-up guy doing that. So that's true. But I'm saying like during the show, right. I would literally place myself from between the cameras and the second half of the audience. Right. And I would leave them alone. I would, if they're laughing with it's a TV show energy, I'm right there. Yeah. But then I could feel it dipping and I would go out and I would just basically get them in the rhythm right. of doing that. I don't have to do that. Right. Yeah. I, so do I remember. That. So that episode, Whitney Cummings and Dan Levy and I were on and we were trying some like maybe weirder out of the box jokes too. And they were just falling flat. We were getting nothing. And all of us were like, what is happening? And Chelsea too was like, what is going on with the energy? So then the taping ends, and that one doesn't go great. What happens then? So um, I know that I like, yeah, tank. I didn't try. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I got screamed at. Yeah. I got. I mean, I not screamed at, but Everybody I was like. Everybody has a bad day, yeah. You know, I just feel like, again, 300 shows, four years. I've earned, not earned, but maybe a little like, okay, but. It was like a real, like, putting your chest out against me. It was right. like almost like stepping to me. Right. It's the way I took it. Right. And so the show, okay, I, I did that. The show ended, and, you know, one of the producers says, oh, the show was great. And I go, no, it wasn't. It wasn't, because I'm there. I know what it is. So then I see, the like, the head guy, head producer, pulls me and just blasts me. You know, you're f- going to be f- fired, this and that. You're this, you're that. He was like, piss, slam the door. And then I, I looked at the guy who said, oh, there's no, the show was fine. I go, told you. Told you it was bad. I know what I'm doing out there. Yeah. So uh, it was upsetting. And I was thinking like, all right, maybe I should leave. I don't know. Um, there's a party after. I go, I'll show them. I'm not going to go to that party. And then I talked to some friends. I talked to my agent. They said, go to the party. You know, I was bummed out. So I went to the party and I saw Chelsea like right away and she said, Oh, I heard something happen today. 
we'll talk about it on Monday. And I just thought I was going to get fired or in trouble just because a couple of these things happened before me getting on an audience or getting on a VIP right. or getting on a newspaper writer who sits there like a bump on the log. Yeah. It's like, why are you putting them there in front of me? Mm-hmm. Put them in the, put them in the front. It's, they, they, they're, they, they don't, they're too cool for school. They, whatever. And then everyone around them doesn't laugh. It's yeah. just makes it hard. Yeah. So uh, those are the things I got. Yeah. VIP yeah. and a newspaper yeah. guy. Nothing else. And then it just blew up. And then they just said, well, you so know, I said, do they say leave or did no, you, I left. Or you stormed off? You, I left the next day. Or do you what? tell somebody off and said, I'm out of here? No, I just walked in. I go, I'm not going to, I don't want to work here anymore. See ya. I just left and they go, okay, bye. Very passive aggressive. Yeah. Like, okay, we'll get who, who's the next warm up. It was like, see ya. Yeah. And well, your that, presence was missed for sure. Well, that bothered me. No problem, man. But that, Let's keep walking. Let's walk that bothered me because I felt like I was a part of a family there. I was involved in everything. Yeah. You know, the Christmas parties, the special parties, the fun shows or whatever. And then all of a sudden, I'm out. Yeah. Like all, and I, and I put, you know, I showed up. I did, I had fun there. I didn't just like do my show and leave. I stayed. I was friendly with everybody. So this one time, you know, this thing happens, and I, I didn't want to be around it. Let's go from my set to yours, man. Let's walk that way. So, thank you, Gee, Thank you, man. So, so that's what happened. And then how long were you not in the fold there for after that? Several years, right? Several years after that, right? I would say a year and a half, maybe two years. I was in the doghouse. So then, moving hey, on from... Michelle Bicteau. Hi. Oh. How you doing, Michelle? Good. How you guys doing? Good, girl. I don't want to interrupt. No, it's all good. Sorry, man. Okay. Michelle Bicteau, she was on uh, At Midnight the other night. She crushed it. Oh, I yeah? just, like, shook my tits a couple times for points. That sounds It worked. Okay. It worked. Question to me. It will always work. Yeah, nice. Thanks. When I get do you guys show, know each other? Do you know yeah. Ben? Yes, yeah. I do. Okay. When I get on the show, I, I will shake my tits as well. Yeah, try it. I'm going to do it for sure. Why not? I don't see why not. Live out loud. Yeah, that's what I always do. It's your journey. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. We live out loud. Journey right LOL. Now. That's exactly right. Uh, oh, oh, a new LOL. LOL. You're reinventing yeah. the LOL. I like that. LOL, like live out loud. So then, okay, so then shifting off, off of shifting off of that. So then, you're, yeah, we're doing podcasts on the go. Oh, good for Yeah, you. it's pretty exciting. So, okay, so then you go on from that. Talking about Chelsea now. Yeah, well, we're moving on from that topic because <laughs> the show's over. I mean, it's old news. I'm kidding. It's still, it's still a dear part of both of our lives. But so then you always have been a stand-up along with all of your whole warm-up career. How long have you been doing stand-up comedy? I began uh, officially, I say, February of 94 in Seattle, Washington. I, I, I did take some workshops here. But and I did my first open mic here, and my first. So you've been doing it over twenty years, though. Well, yeah. Well, yeah I mean, <laughs> but I never did anything before. Don't be it it was that. an amazing thing. Well, I guess February of '94. Yeah. So twenty years, and I'm okay with that. Black History Month. It is. Yeah, I started in Black. History I made it. That, that was a choice. The shortest was, month. Everybody makes that joke. That was a choice to joke. start yeah. during Black History Month. It was. Why? Out of, out of respect. Just out of respect. I was a big fan of uh, black, inter- black entertainers. Ellen sure. Cleghorn. Sure. Um, you're going to say Ellen DeGeneres, and she's not Ellen's black at all. She's not black, Ellen. Is Ellen black? Well, Ellen her side, her soul. Is that right? Michelle, where are you from? I'm from Jersey. Nope. Jersey, been there. <laughs> Where? Central, northern, southern? Central. You're just naming directions. Like Burlington County? Oh, there you yeah, go. Trenton. Oh, oh Trenton, that. that's uh, this capital. Yeah. 
Yeah. You have like a you have a Camden's dangerous. Knowledge. Trenton's okay. He knows Camden's every out. city and capitals. I know a little bit. Teams. You know every every high school team I'm name. Walking Google. I don't understand. You are. I can, more of a Bing guy. <laughs> Bing and on as Jonah. Bing. Jonah, what's his face would say? Oh yeah, Jonah, just Bing. Jonah who? Yeah, Jonah Ray. Jonah Ray. Oh, he's like the Bing spokesman there. Yeah, right? oh, Bing it cool. on. Yeah. Bing it on. So, what made you start doing stand up? Why did you feel this the need to start? I shouldn't even be here, but I am yeah, so curious. Because he's always asking on. the question. You can listen. Last week on okay. Earth. Subscribe for free. And you're going to be a guest in the future. Okay. Subscribe for free. Promise? Yeah, yeah. Ben's hosted a show where you did the idiot test. You know I that? Heard. It's I an heard. audio podcast. beautiful pod- studio. Thank you. It's an audio podcast, but if you can shake your tits beautiful on it, you come on if you want. Yeah. I'm uh, I will. I look. I don't mind shaking my tits. They shake by accident. I don't want to interrupt. No, not at all. No, no. I'm going to get going. She's going to get. What is your Twitter, Michelle? If we can. Michelle Butel. How do you spell B U T E A U? That's not. B U T E A U? Did you just shave? Not since I saw you 10 minutes Show ago. Show me the Carfax. Be so Show wholesome. me the Carfax. <laughs> <laughs> she thinks I'm so wholesome. I'm not. Show me the Carfax. I'm a very dirty host. So, why did you start doing stand up? Why did you feel the need to do that? I wouldn't call it a need. It was basically, I played baseball, right? So, I wanted to be a major league baseball player, push it as far as I could go. So I went to college, Arizona State, and I played baseball, and I had to work really hard just to be on the team, worked on my schooling, and the last couple years I hurt my arm and I knew I wasn't going to go on to play professionally. So I started thinking about, well, what would I do? I didn't want to get into coaching, and uh, people thought I was funny. They said, oh, Brody, you're funny. And so I I thought, like, well, maybe I, I liked attention, you know, not bad. I wasn't like a slapstick guy, but I liked right. attention. And so I said, maybe I'll take an acting class. You know, I didn't want to say, oh, I'm fun. I didn't say, I'm funny. Right. So I said, I'll take an acting class. I took this acting class at Arizona State, and it was just, it was fun. It was a breath of fresh air. Everyone was supportive because I was coming from this baseball jock, ragging, you know, yeah. environment. So you were used to that. I was used to, like, being, you know, ripping and all that. So then when you got into this acting class, everyone's so supportive. It's a breath of fresh air, and it was like, I'm taking this acting class. Well, everyone's on the baseball field, because that was my life. It was like every day you're at the baseball field at 2 o'clock, or you're doing running or weight training. So I got into that the last, I had some extra hours the last semester or so. So I I took an acting class, I took a public speaking class, and... I kind of liked it. And then a couple of people, one guy said, bro, you should do stand-up comedy. I didn't really know anything about stand-up comedy. This is, you know, early 90s. I knew a little bit about it. You know, you should do stand-up comedy. So it was planted in my head. And I made people laugh, but not intentionally. Like, I did. I got laughs, but... You know, I, I still... They were laughing at you, is what you're saying. I guess. Well, yeah, they were laughing. <laughs> they were laughing. It's true. doesn't matter for why. If you I mean, care I knew about they, making people laugh. I knew they liked having me around, like the baseball team. They right. kept me around. Right. I got to coach. They could have easily have said, see you later. Right. But they liked having me on the team. So I, I knew I had something. So then when I graduated college, Arizona State, I came back home. This is uh, summer of 93. So I said, you know, I couldn't tell my parents, oh, I want to be an actor or I want to be... Well, it's basically what I was saying. Like, oh, I wanted to be an actor or like some kind of... Something in entertainment. Yeah. So, Were you supportive I, of it of the idea? No, well, not really. No, no, because I was doing all this baseball stuff. So right. I worked on. I came back here and I worked on a student film at USC, and I was holding lights and doing all that. And I just learned all about making movies. And I learned that I didn't want to 
hold lights and do right. grip. It wasn't my thing. Yeah, I wanted sure. to be more of the actor guy, yeah. but I knew I wasn't even close to going there. But in the meantime, I was taking this comedy class. That's the one that got me at UCLA. I needed structure. I needed something like what I had in college, you know, with baseball. And I felt like, okay, I see a stand-up comedy workshop. I know people laugh at them or, like, look down on them, but I needed that, me personally. But how did that give you structure? Because to me, stand-up seems like the least structured way to go. Acting is you're working part of a team, you're auditioning, but stand-up, it's like you got to write your shit, you got to go on your own to clubs, you got to try material, you got to bomb. It seems to me like it's a very solo journey. It's well, not camaraderie, but... Yeah, it is solo, but... I needed structure. I didn't have, I mean, solo and in Los Angeles when, where do you start? What do you do? Right. So I felt like if I do a workshop, I'm having structure. Whose workshop did you do? Pauly Shore's sister, oh, Sandy really? Shore. Okay. At uh, UCLA. Okay. And I, I, it was like on Tuesday or Wednesdays, and I would drive, and I would, and for a three-minute set, and I would just be excited. It would be fun. It was exciting. And I would do it, and I would, I would get some laughs, but not at my jokes. They would laugh at me, kind of thing. So it just kind of brought to light what people were, what my strength was. Right. And I every, I would go every uh, Wednesday, and I try to write my jokes or whatever day it was. And then after the show or after the class, I'd always drive by the comedy store and look at it. So I and was. You hadn't gotten up yet. No, I was just doing the workshop. That's that's it. And I like just to see if I had that. St- thing if i liked it and if people liked me i had yeah. no idea so okay right and so when how, how cut jump to the first time you got on stage how'd that go well we had a graduation class at the comedy store and i'm not gonna show. count that i did well everyone does well yeah it was packed and all your friends I, are there yeah. exactly and i did it and i felt like okay i'm a comedian i made it i did this graduation class yes success success i'm in yes. la give me the business cards <laughs> with my picture on them you got it mr print <laughs> so uh, I did an open mic, right? So we did. I said, okay, we got to do an open mic. And uh, it was up in Chatsworth, and I went with my friend Jay Stewart Burns. He was, in the, he was in the comedy class with me. He was the editor of the Harvard Lampoon, went on to write for Futurama. Oh, wow. I think he wrote a Beavis and Butthead. But oh, anyway, we did our first open mic together. So I remember we went out to the valley, went to Soup Plantation, had lunch oh, or delicious. dinner. All you can eat soup and salad. Exactly. Cornbread, honey butter. Yes, going back for seconds. Yep, ambrosia. <laughs> Only place you can get ambrosia, really. <laughs> That's a soup, right? It, no, it's like that yogurty soup with banana oh, okay. chunks in it. Mm, like a smoothie, a jamba juice. Yep, hold on, hold on one sec. What's up, D? Gotcha. Then maybe I just won't get a ride from him because I need to go back upstairs and get briefed on on questions for upcoming decks for upcoming shows for for future episodes. So I'll just Uber home or something. Okay. All right. No worries. Thanks, D. Um, so. So. Oh yeah. The the first. Show. Yeah. First okay. real stand-up show. So it's in Chatsworth. It's an open mic. So I'm there and I get on stage and it's just uh, it's in Chatsworth at a bar. I sign up and I, I go up and I'm doing my jokes that I did uh, at the graduation and not getting laughs. Yeah. No one, I go, this got laughs last time. <laughs> you say, probably said that to the crowd, knowing yeah. you. Yeah. What's happening? What's happening? What did I do wrong? These are proven. Exactly. <laughs> and not no laughs. It wasn't fun. The, the guys weren't cool. My car got rear-ended. I saw it from the stage. <laughs> oh, no. I was looking out During there. your set. Yeah, first time. I saw it get rear-ended. Did you continue performing? Yeah. Well, that's how I you did. Knew. The guy broke my headlight. I remember my brake light. Did you comment on it from the stage? I forget. 
But that's how you knew that you're meant to do this is, is your car got hit. You didn't bolt off the stage no, and run to it. No, stayed there. So that's the trenches broke the right light, there. broke the light. I remember that. And the guy was like, not all there. I'll go into that. But so I did that and I go, <laughs> uh, this doesn't feel right. I go, I don't want to take this route. I knew right away I could sense the the desperation or just the the mean, I don't know, just the desperation in the air and a little bit of like, oh yeah, the new guy. And I didn't like it and I wasn't ready for it. So I said, let me learn more about comedy. I went back to UCLA, took a business of comedy class. I wanted to learn all about wow. the business. So I learned about contracts and comedy clubs and all that stuff. And the guy teaching it, Dan- Denny Robinson, is it Denny or Danny? He's a agent, still around Danny. APA. Yeah, APA. He's my former agent. There you go. He taught it. Nice guy. He said, he said, if you want to do comedy, stand up, you got to get out of L.A. Don't start here. So he already put it in my head, get out of L.A., go to a smaller market, go to a, a Minneapolis or Texas or whatever. So put that in my head to go someplace else. So I was just kind of spinning my wheels. I was living out in the valley, working at Macy's, just trying to... It's just too big, and I had no... So you moved? Well... I wanted to move. It was so. I that, started here. I started in L.A. Yeah, and I'm from here. You I wanted I, to move, and you did not do it, though. Well, I did. I know I did move because it was. I was thinking, okay, where am I going to go to start trying this comedy thing? I didn't want to be in L.A. I knew I had to go. So it was either go to Phoenix, where I had friends, but no real comedy scene, or go to Seattle, where I had family, and they and my aunts and uncles said you should come up here. It's a great. They really support the arts. I had no idea, really. Yeah. So I looked into it. I read up on it. I said, I should go to Seattle. So I started, like, thinking about that. And then they had the Northridge earthquake. Well, that's one second. Michelle has a question. What's going oh, on? Go ahead, Michelle. Yeah, because the producers are going to be leaving soon. Oh, they're, they're leaving soon, too? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's Walt's birthday. So we're oh, it to, is? Like, no kidding. I didn't know that. Gotcha. Do they need me to, to go over what? Nothing. Oh, they don't? No. Oh. <laughs> like, All right, so I just get my stuff and go. Yeah. Do you want, you still want to ride? You need a ride. I don't need a ride. I'm fine. I'll, I'll take an Uber. I'm, I'm doing a podcast with Brody. Brody, Michelle, Michelle, Brody. Hi, Brody. Michelle, nice, nice to meet you. you. She is one of the people that makes our show happen. Nice. Yes. What's your official title? Line producer. Line producer of our show. Line producer. I should have probably yeah. known that. I should have probably known that. Brody is an amazing sound comedian and also does warm up for At Midnight right here. At Midnight. Oh, Ridiculousness downstairs. Oh, great. Yeah. So I'll just get my bag then so I can, you guys can leave there. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, your bag's upstairs? Yep. Okay. Um, come with, come with. Come with, okay. So, okay, so Northridge Earthquake hits, you're already out of town or you're still here? Or that was the impetus that got you to move? That, I basically left like a few days later. Later, I might have to go in a few minutes to get to no this problem. audience. Well, I'm going to jump ahead then, because I know you have a taping of that midnight about to start, right? You got it. You got it. Two, crank, three shows on a Wednesday. Got to crank the audience. Absolutely. So, um, it smells like pot up here. <laughs> Oh, that sounds lovely. Who's doing that? Who's doing that? <laughs> so this is the old Jesselnik office. It is. Yeah. Jesselnik offensive. Yep. I did not know that. That's cool to know. Feel the energy. Awesome. I feel it. That's cool. So okay. So then you uh, moved up to Seattle. The earthquake said, "This is a sign. Get out of here." You yeah. Moved there, and then did stand up start soaring for you? How would you? When did it start clicking for you? And how did you? How would you kind of summarize your stand up experience? Because your style is so unique to me. You're one of the most unique voices in stand-up. You're, Thank you. You have a completely different style. You're self-referential. Your comedy comes as he does a wind-up and pitches it into the window. Um, it's just so unique. You make sets out of a set going badly and just spinning that to me into, into what I think is genius gold. 
Um, Thank you again. Absolutely, man. Like, but the, one of my favorite quotes of yours that I tweeted one time when I saw you do this on stage at a show that me, you, and some other Chelsea people were doing years ago at some bar in the Valley. You, the set wasn't going well for a minute, and you go, if you don't give me a chuckle based on cadence alone, you don't get it. Yeah, exactly. Which to me is the perfect description of what you do on stage. Yeah. No, that's, yeah, I've been saying that the last few years, exactly. Cadence alone. Cadence give me alone. something. Exactly. So... Uh, that said, how do you see your own stand-up career and your just all you've done and have been trying to do? Well, I mean, getting back to Seattle, I just when I well, I'll just touch on that. Yeah. It's like I went out. Someone there. gets your show too, real quickly, oh, okay. Comedy Central show. You know, Seattle is more or less just like you know, like the baseball. Just go for it. So I already knew from taking these classes, taking the workshops, you got to do open mics and just keep doing them, and then. Out of that, you'll hopefully find your voice. It's just getting on stage, doing the open mics, having a day job, taping your sets, all the basics. So when did you decide that your style and your voice was going to be just so completely your own inner monologue? I think, like, early on, guys said, just, you're funny when you talk. Like, even when I did that workshop, they said, it's funny when your jokes are bad. So I already knew people said I, I was already funnier than my material. I never felt it. I want, I mean, still to this day, I want to be, like, have jokes and be a great comedian, tell them, act them out. But I just was never, have never been able to do that. But I, so I knew early on in Seattle. I mean, I knew early on here, like, oh, it's funny when your jokes are bad. And then when I went to Seattle, I just had more older comedians coming up to me and saying, just go up there and talk. Just be yourself. You know, they're basically, you know, they weren't saying don't write jokes, but just do that. So then I, I had to teach myself to public speak. I was kind of a shy guy other than just being around the baseball team. So I started selling T-shirts at the Seattle Supersonic basketball games. So I had to project and talk and really be out there and be myself. And, well, I'm selling stuff. Yeah. You know, you're selling yourself, really. Yeah. And then I started, I did a cable access show. And that was another thing up there. And I did that for stage time. And I got a following. People would watch it. And I was just kind of being myself and... That was another thing. People would say, it's funny when you get mad. It's funny when you look at the camera and address the, the callers or the audience. So I just pick up things along the way, found my voice in Seattle. I tried. I, I was an intern at the sports, CBS Sports. I just did everything I could. Waiter at Red Robin, T-shirts at Seattle Supersonic Games, cable access, open mics, found my voice. And then I felt like... You know, I started in Seattle, so I'm just really getting feature spot, not feature, guest spots, right. maybe hosting, because right. I started there. So I just felt like I wa always wanted to go to New York. My friend was working with the Yankees. People said, go to New York, you'll real, it will be a good That's fit the place for you. I really understand that you can do 10, 12 spots a night. Well, yeah, I mean, I would, but I was doing more of just the, the Lower East Side creative, artistic, everyone's accepted scene. Mm -hmm. So I went there, and that's where I really started just being myself, ranting, and getting reactions off that. And also, was I was a tour guide at Radio City Music Hall, so I wanted oh, wow. to also work Straight. on being a public speaker and being able to talk to kids from all over the eastern seaboard. That was another thing in my, my mind. Am I only funny in L.A. or in that class? Am I only funny in, around my baseball teammates? And then it was like, am I only funny in Seattle? So then I went to New York, and I felt like, okay. Now you've traversed the country. I could do it there. So I was, excuse me, I was there for three years. 
And I, uh, I, I feel like I gotta go check. Yeah, I'll walk down with you. Okay. But then, this is like no one's leaving yet, so I'll just grab. I'll just grab my stuff actually. In case. Okay. But so, where? But then, bro, where? Where did that? Uh, where is that line for you though between your real life persona of sometimes like struggling with the way you're perceived or are being received, and the same thing that you do that exact same thing on stage. How real is it for you on stage? Because it seems to me oftentimes when you're on stage struggling it's, and you're getting angry, it seems like a fine line between you're really angry and frustrated and that's becoming funny sometimes and sometimes not, or sometimes is, is that what you're doing because that's what you do? I would say a little of everything like you just mentioned. I think there is some frustration, there's some anger, but there's also experience, there's jokes there's i mean it comes back to stage time i've been through I, i've been through been through those things so they're not going to laugh at something you know I, I i don't get mad i mean i can you know I, I and i do get frustrated when somebody doesn't get it and i always feel like the reason why they didn't get it is because of this because of that, it's not because of my joke. It got <laughs>, laughs last night. I told it the exact same way. Proven. What is it? Because this person was walking. They put the checks down. Right. The mic. What is it? Tell me. So wrong the, people in the front row. Yeah, wrong people in the front row. Arms crossed. You don't do that to me. So, <laughs> but that's another thing I've learned to not go into the red zone. So they go, this guy's not angry. Right. And I think that comes. But you used from, to go into that red zone with. I, you weren't I, able to, to pull it back from actually being anger. I think I would be before. Well, I mean, I still get angry sometimes if somebody's like gives me attitude. Sure, I'm a, I'm a baseball player. You know, <laughs> right. forget about jokes. I'm a man. Yeah. You're gonna like disrespect me as yeah. a, a man. Let's talk. Yeah. See, I just got worked up there. Yeah, but that yeah, can make but that can scared. make somebody uncomfortable. But I wouldn't do that at a paid show. I wouldn't do that with warm up. Right. I don't. I, I'm professional. Right. But it's certain. I know where I'm at. I, I, I know what I'm doing. So if I know that I'm at a certain show, that I have a lot of parameters, and I might be really loose, but I don't really get mad. And if I do, I, I, I do apologize. It's sincere. I'm sorry for going in the red zone. Yeah. But I've learned it's just not good. You're not When you get mad, it's just not good. It's not good healthy. It scares the audience. And back in the day, <laughs> I would leave not being... Like, I'd get mad. It'd be hard on myself. Like, stress me right. out. And you learn scaring the audience is not the right move as a comedian. Because that's the opposite effect you're looking for. Yeah. But then I would also, then I, later on, when I, you know, I started figuring out, like, why are you scared? What am I going to do? Stab you? <laughs> Who knows? You know, right. So you have a bit of a live wire vibe. Well, when I figured when I figure out, like, people are still going to get scared. It's a human condition. <laughs> I learned to work around that. You know, it's just joking about it. Sure. You could say, what, are you guys scared? What do I do? Stab you? Do I have mace? <laughs> and then you turn it out. Maybe I do. Maybe I do. Reach into my pockets. <laughs> Pull out business card. Your picture on it. So, uh, yeah. It's <laughs> it's confidence, joke, stage time. Just doing it. So then so then I can hear the audience is rumbling. You probably got to go in a minute. So let's take it then to what, what was such a great break. You got your own show. First on HBO, go. Yeah. And then Comedy Central picked it up. Yeah. Brody Stevens, Some, enjoy it. You got it. Push, believe. So how did the show come about? What was it, and how did the, how was the experience for you? Well, the show came about, I would say, maybe 10 years ago or so. Oh, wow. Zach, would, Zach, Zach Alfanakis would say that 
you know, he would say that I'm funny, but he thought my family was funny. He thought it was funny how I, my relationship with my sister and a little bit with my mom. He got a kick out of that. He thought, oh, you guys are so funny. I, I want to, you know, I want to do, uh, let me do a, like, in, not interview you, but be like a psychologist. He, Zach always wanted to, like, be involved in that. He thought it was funny. So he put that in my head, and then maybe a few years later, he said, we should try and we should try and do a show and produce a show. So I knew that in my head, even when I had that problem at, at Chelsea, I already knew I had a show, an mm-hmm. opportunity. Yeah. So maybe my head was already going in that direction. Uh-huh, interesting. So that that came about, so... It was basically what was it going to be? It was I thought it was going to be kind of reality. Me being, we didn't know. It was like let's be funny, let's have fun, but we're going to shoot a pilot. Everyone has to shoot a pilot. So I came up with the pilot, um, having it be my sister and I reconcile for my mother's 80th birthday, which was true. Right. My sister and I never really got along. Still don't. But my mom, I thought it would be nice if we got together for my mom's 80th birthday, made right. her happy. Sure. So that was the idea. That so that way you see my me, my sister. You see me. You and Galifianakis running stand around up. from the scooter. start, and then you have plenty of time. How about when should I come back, Vince? Whenever you want. We're walking up at eight ten. Eight ten. So maybe around eight. Sure. Because I'll give my announcement in just a few, so they can use the bathroom before you come. Gotcha. Thank you. you. See, doing uh, preparing for the show. That's why we both have our like. Our show's reporting in with us. We're, you know, we're, we're on call. Doing it. Multitasking. Multi, two at once. So, like a great evening with a couple of ladies in Poughkeepsie. Yes, New York. Yep. So, yeah, I, I, th- that was the idea. So the, the show was like me going to the next level. Me getting out of warm-up. Going into stand, more stand-up. Me looking maybe for going on a date. Getting more, like growing up. Yeah. Like, okay... He's not just a little warm-up guy anymore. Now he's a, a man. He's a comedian or going out on the road. That was kind of... And within that, it was just baseball stuff, goofy stuff, all these thoughts in my head. So I sold the show. I mean, I pitched it to all these guys. With I, Zach. You went around with Zach, didn't you? Yeah. I mean, he was there for like some of the meetings, but I, I pretty much sold it. Yeah. First HBO. HBO, but I sold it to like I, our, you know, Comedy Central early on. Adult Swim, HBO, but I was in such a like flow. I was just doing it, pitched it, and like they Nobody said, okay. Aired it, and then eventually HBO go put it on. And it's unusual for then after HBO would pay air it, then Comedy Central. I know they have a relation, but then Comedy Central re-aired the show because Comedy Central it, really liked it. Right, Kent Alterman. They sound shitty. <laughs> Kent Alterman really liked the show. He liked it. So uh, that was better. So he really liked the show. So they they offered me twelve episodes. So take those first six episodes, expand them to twenty two minutes, and then fresh six twenty two minute episodes. Right. So I had all that, and uh, but it's Comedy Central. Okay, it's not HBO Go anymore. So I felt like I got to throw in comedy. Right. I got to throw in, and along the way. Since I had that first HBO thing, mm-hmm. my comedy was getting better. My confidence, I felt like my voice was, not my voice, but I had comedy knowledge and my comedy was getting better since the first time we did that, the HBO show. So when I came back, it was like, okay, I'm throwing everything in, I'm doing this, and 
Oh, I'm jumping ahead a little bit. I'm sorry. But so that's what the show is going to be like. So, yeah, I'm saying, okay. So the HBO one, we did it. Okay. See, I'm like so far back. I'm no. Okay. The HBO one is where I, 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 okay. So here's the deal. Yes, we did the pilot. The 80th birthday, mom and I, they liked it. They go, okay. HBO ordered five more episodes at 15 minutes each. So if I was thinking, okay, maybe it'll be on TV, 15 minutes. They've had shows like that. Maybe it'll be the internet, but hopefully TV. So then I had like, when they said yes, I had a couple months before we we're going to start shooting stuff. So I was feeling crazy. good. I was feeling good, right? No pressure, not feeling pressure. Yeah. Feeling good. And I, I said, I'm feeling so good. I want to be able to like party a little bit, relax. Right. And because these good things are happening, people are saying, have fun, take a victory lap. You're doing great. And I'm saying, yeah, I am feeling good. Maybe I don't need to be on 20 milligrams of Lexapro to take the edge off. I could, and because and you couldn't, you can't really drink when you're on that. Have two beers and you get nauseous and you got to pee in the middle of the night. There's just some side effects, but they weren't major, but enough to where, okay, I wouldn't mind being off this and I'm feeling good. Yeah. But I wasn't under like a psychiatrist's supervision. I was under a regular doctor. So I, you're not supposed to like adjust, you shouldn't adjust your meds right. on your own. Yeah. I mean, they say that, and you don't believe it until you do it. Yeah. So anyway, I went to... I was feeling fine. Like, my comedy was good. Nobody was saying anything. And I went to Ireland. So I went to Ireland, and I, I was going to kind of... I, I had... It's like going to be gone for 12 days. Ireland and Montreal Comedy Festival. A festival in Ireland and a festival in Montreal. So I went to Ireland, and I cut back a little bit. I went from, like, 20 milligrams to 15 to 10... Not too quick, and I had a good time in Ireland, performed, got along, felt good, was able to drink a little bit, and then I flew from Ireland to Montreal, and I get to Montreal the first day, I'm feeling good, feeling like real good, I'm in Montreal, I got things are happening, and then that night, I got sick, I did a show, and that night I went back and I just, my, my tonsils started swelling up. And I got like a 24-hour, I got a flu. I was like, I'd never been that sick in years. My body hurt, throwing up, everything. And I had to cancel shows. And so I couldn't even swallow. So I went like two days without taking Lexapro. And I just couldn't swallow, couldn't do anything. Couldn't eat. So then I went downstairs to see the festival doctor. Anyway, I saw a doctor. It's free health care. So I went in a clinic downstairs. He looked at me and goes, you got strep throat. Just go across the way. Here's a prescription, a Z-Pack or whatever, antibiotics. He says, take this. You'll feel better in 24 hours. So I take it, right? And I feel better the next day, like 70%. So then I remember they're calling me, asking me to host TMZ. What are you going to do with the show here in Montreal? Are you going to cancel? I said, okay, I'm feeling better. I'll do it. So I'm on the antibiotic, feeling physically better. My mind is clear. I feel like, okay, I'm out at the Lexapro. I weaned it off pretty quick, and I had a couple shows there. They were fine, and then I came back. I was just happy, you know? Came back to L.A. I came back to L.A., and I was just, like, really up because I was just, nothing was holding me back. 
the Lexapro kind of like was a, a buffer, like kind of relaxed me a little bit. So when you don't take that, you naturally like probably get a little more up. And if you don't, if you stop at cold turkey, you can really go up. So I'm not saying I stopped cold turkey, but I probably stopped too soon. Mm-hmm. And you throw in an antibiotic. And you throw in the crazy travel. And you throw in me hosting TMZ. And you throw in the HBO thing happening. And you throw in people telling me to celebrate. So I had all these freaking things going on. And what happened? <laughs> Went crazy. No. <laughs> um, but that's the word, right? I mean, you kind of had this manic episode last many days and you didn't sleep and you were tweeting threats to people and you were going nuts and just feeling this kind of hubris and, and the cops oh, it were It felt called. great. I bet it did. Well, we all wish we could be that cowboy sometimes. Well, yeah, you know, I couldn't believe that I was doing it. I mean, I I just, I mean, technically, if you look at all the check marks, yes, I had a manic episode. If you ask me personally, I feel like it was brought on by stopping my meds cold turkey, uh, taking an antibiotic, all those things. Was it was a going, perfect storm. But what was going through your head when during that episode? Uh, that I was on top of the world, that I was going to, you know, get something out of this. This was the next big shot. Like, when I hosted TMZ, that, like, put me in another... I was like, I couldn't believe I hosted TMZ. It yeah. was just funny to me. And I did well on it, and I was just, like, amped up there, high energy, but funny, I guess, and they edited it well. And they were all excited for me. And I met those guys down at the baseball game. And I was, like, excited. And then I went to Sarah Silverman's party. And I think that part of it was that part of it was people weren't used to seeing me up and happy. They are mm-hmm. used to me seeing me, you know, calm. But, you know, Brody being Brody, but not that up. But I was just happy and going for it because I wasn't the warm-up guy. Now I'm headlining i got the show and i and i went to the sarah i went to sarah's party and david cross was into it marilyn manson uh triumph the insult comic dog they were into it he's a great guy yeah robert schmeigel oh, i meant the dog yeah the dog <laughs> but they were into it so it was like okay i didn't think anything about it and then i got calls or something like oh you're acting weird at sarah's party which is a tall order when marilyn manson's there and you're the one getting calls yeah, exactly. He wanted to hang out with me. Of course he did. Well, that's he's like the doctor of death. Yeah. That's not a great sign. No. Um, but I, w- I got a kick out of it. Sure. So I had fun at the party. And then this all fed into fodder for the show. So then they were able to cover some of this and the aftermath of it. It didn't end up with you kind of being put in a holding psychiatric evaluation or something? Well, I got thrown in. I mean, I could... Here's the deal. I could have... I knew I was on a bender. Yeah. I could have easily have gone on vacation... Uh, I, looking back on it, it's probably best I went into the take a break in the hospital, if you want to call it that. It was basically just me drying out, just like okay, yeah. let's get it, get it all out of the system, let them relax, stay off the internet. And I didn't, <laughs> I didn't mind it. I didn't hate it. And their first couple of days, like, why am I here? This is freaking. I, I, I went off my. I made a mistake. Yeah. You know, and it took me a while to like, okay, I'm going to have to be here for a few days. Let's just sit back. And, and then when I was in there, I started, you know, like I said, after a few days, started like enjoying it. <laughs> it's fun <laughs> to like not be on the internet and yeah. have a nice bed. And I, and I, forced I, retreat. Yeah, it was a forced retreat. And um, when I was in there, I was in pretty good spirits. And I felt like, 
Maybe we make this a part of the show because I was already public with it. I'm not that public with my life, believe me, but because I did the Twitter stuff, it was already out there right. and people knew that something's not right. Why not tell your side? I felt like, you know what, put it into the show. And that, is that when Comedy Central came on board and was said, uh, let's do this, let's expand That was it. after. That was the oh. HBO show. And oh, HBO said, okay. Like, they, they put no pressure on me. Right. They, you know, they... We're trying to pressure you. <laughs> Gary. <laughs> they didn't put any pressure on me like don't worry about it take your time you know I, I I didn't do anything I mean I had stuff yes bubble to the surface you know if anybody you know let's say somebody was a jerk to you yeah you know you, I'm sure there's a couple guys that you know, that guy was a, a jerk yeah. to me or you remember that and then if you got something you're doing well but it's, it's not a good thing to do but I'm sure you like no, I don't take shit from people yeah. right but like I'm sure people get drunk and do stuff and yeah. say crazy stuff. I was out of character. Yeah. And then I just had all these things going on, and it was like people were enjoying the tweets, and I was on a roll, but people started calling me, what's wrong? And I was crying, but it was like tears of joy. I was happy. People didn't understand. I was happy. I wasn't mad. I was happy. Yeah. But that's how you feel when you're manic. So I just put, I put, but when I was in the hospital, my friends were saying, this is rock and roll. This is like a rite of passage. This makes right. you cool. Right. So then I, I felt okay with talking about that. So, so we only have a few minutes left. So then cut to, so then eventually you get out of there, you get back on your meds, you get back to a place where you're feeling a lot more in control and, and well, like your old self. I, I kinda, I mean, the meds were, were tough. I've had adjustments with meds still to this day. And yes. After what did you say, Chelsea? Two for the brain, one for the vein. Yeah, my friend wrote that. My friend, I give credit. My friends write jokes. Four for the brain, one for the vein. <laughs> um, yeah, I uh, I did the stuff, and I when I got out of the hospital, uh, we shot more stuff, a lot of more of the show for HBO, and I was just on meds. I was out of it, kinda. I was just not with it because they put me on. Depakote and Seroquel, these are heavy drugs. To, it's like a chemical straitjacket. Yeah. I was sleeping 14 hours a day, couldn't get up. And While had, shooting your Comedy Central show? A lot of it, yeah. Wow. So we had to, in editing it, we had to adjust the meds. Not the whole time, but we, times like get me alive a little bit. So I went through that, and then, you know, we did the, uh, came back for the second show and I was just before I was just depressed they put me on all these I mean I, when you go up there, there's a down there's always a down yeah. so I went crazy up and then I went down I had to move out of my apartment where I had all these problems there so I, I said I'm going to try and live in Hollywood so I'm living in Hollywood small apartment it's dark I'm on these meds I was like down in the dumps it was bad and I implemented that into the new Comedy Central story, how my comedian friends got me back up on my feet. So the first one, HBO, was going crazy mm-hmm. and then getting on Conan. And the second one, the Comedy Central, was like being depressed and then doing a half-hour special. For Comedy Central. For Comedy Central. And reconciling with Chelsea and going to her house. And, and those are real things. I mean, that was real. And then she said, I'll love to have you back on the round table. And, and I did. started happening, and that turned around. I did. That's amazing. And I'll be on it again uh, later this month. So, it was all real. I mean, real thoughts. Obviously, we took some, uh, you know, liberties, and 
the uh, the Comedy Central one. That was a lot of comedy. I threw a lot in there. I just threw extra stuff in there, even. And the show, it was not renewed for second season, sadly. Well, I, I, me personally, I don't know if I'd want to do a second really? season. It was just a lot. But did having your own show for Comedy Central didn't change your life? Yeah, I mean, it, professionally, it's changed my life. I wouldn't say it's like night and day. It's, I mean, a little bit. I got a little bump out of it. But me as a person, me as a comedian, I kind of went through this now. I went through the whole promoting things, and each week it's coming out and dealing with, you know, uh, internet stuff, and then also things that bother you that you thought like, oh, people are going to hate that. They're going to tweet about that. They never saw it. They never mentioned it. So it was like... Or they end up liking probably. They like it. Things you hate, they liked. So I had to like go through it. It was like a birth. It was like a baptism of going through a show, fighting with the editing, fighting to get comedy and fighting with everybody. People don't realize how much of a struggle it is to get your vision out there. Yeah, and I got, believe me, we got, I got, we, I got a lot in. I, I walk away going, I got a lot in. But along the way, just the communication and some of the things weren't set up ideally for me. I'm a, a different kind of guy, so kind of have to make... And you're doing a story on a guy who had an issue, and he has issues. So you got to kind of bend a little bit, and they did. But sometimes I'd ask them to bend more, and there would be some friction. I was wrong at times. They were wrong at times. We were all... I think everybody learned. But it, it definitely has taken me a few months to kind of just recover. It was hard. Sure. And it was... I can deal with it. I can deal with the bill. The billboard didn't freak me out. The... uh it, billboard. No, it was fine. It wasn't like... It wasn't surreal. It was cool. I didn't yeah. mind it at all. The only time it was like surreal was maybe like driving up La Cienega and seeing my big yeah. arm or whatever. But it wasn't... <laughs> You thought your arm looked too big. Yeah. No, well, like, I mean, it was a huge billboard. Oh, you, you meant, like, built up nicely muscle-wise. Well, like, a lot of hair on it. Oh, got it. That is true. I'd see hair on my arm. They had a lot of, you know, it was high-definition cameras. But <laughs> but I would say a pretty privileged position that few will ever be in in their lives, that their own Comedy Central series gets to be their baptism and rebirth, as opposed to some low that is not a, a, right. a, an amazing thing that we all dream to have as entertainers. Well... You know, people tell me that. They go, well, it's amazing. You've had your own show. I, I, I don't look at it. I really don't look at it that way. Like, I had my own my own show. I know I did, but it still doesn't seem real to me. But I did all those things. Yeah, the baptism, going through it, the experience, dealing with executives, you know, being professional, presenting things, doing the interviews, shooting the stuff. Having to do an interview with with Charlie Rose, having to go on Conan, having to do my half-hour special. I had to, like, follow up on a lot of these things. So, you know, it was, like I said, at the end end of the day, it was a great experience. The only thing I feel like, you know, you feel like, well, people expect more. Why are you going back to warm-up? Why are you doing this? It's... I didn't, I didn't, I always like wanted a show, like when I would, sh- you know, in the shower, and you're always thinking of a show, but it wasn't something that I put on like a piece of paper, I want to have a TV show right. on this network by this year, and this is what it's going to be like. I mean, I did that cable access show back in the day, I already knew that I could get laughs being on TV, so I just kind of let it happen organically, I didn't, 
force anything. So people say, why are you going back to warm-up? What do you tell them? I enjoy it. It's good mic time. Keeps me busy while I'm hanging out here in L.A. It's the way I, I mean, that's the way I sell it. And that's oh. true, though, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, yes. I, I'm, uh, I enjoy doing the warm. It's not easy. You know, sometimes there's some BS stuff, but it pays okay for me. Pays fair. And then I get to be on the mic or, you know, interact with celebrities or different hosts and crowds. I'm going to go talk to the crowd here for five, six minutes. So as a comedian, I'm getting that mic time in. You know, it's not getting stronger, ideal. sharpening your tools. Yeah, sometimes you don't feel it, but. I mean, every day I do warm-up, I never go, I'm going to crush it. It's like, you don't know. Right. But it usually ends up being okay. Same thing yeah. with stand-up. Like, you never know, but... It's like life in general usually ends up being all right. Yeah. You like um, to think that. Let's get a picture before I let you get back to your... You got it. Are we still recording? Yep, still recording. I love it. Got let's a bunch see. there. We got them. How do they look to you? How's your arm look in this one right here? Pretty decent, I think. That's right? a good photo. Yep. Just uh, we got we got two options sure there. Love both it. Good. We're both good in that. How was that? Was good a good podcast, right? I think it's a fantastic podcast, man. Yeah, I think it's so interesting your perspective on the world and your journey, and the fact that you're not expecting. It doesn't seem like you're expecting a particular outcome. You're just doing it because it's what you do. That's yeah, why your show's called Enjoy It. Enjoy it, and I got that. You know, it's funny, enjoy it. Are you still recording? Yeah. Oh, okay. People ask, like, enjoy it. They don't always ask, like, where it came from, but it did come from uh, a lady I met in college at Arizona State in Tempe. I'd go to McDonald's, like, on a Sunday morning. I'd read the L.A. Times. I was homesick. And I'd go there. I'd get, like, a number one, like a, a Big Mac combo. And I remember she was an older lady, maybe in her 40s. She had a little bit of a cerebral palsy, maybe. But she was so upbeat and happy, and I just remember she. Uh, I ordered the Big Mac, and she had the tray, and she just shuffled, like, sl slid it over, and she goes, "Enjoy." She was just so happy about it. <laughs> Enjoy. And then I went to Wendy's in the drive-through around the corner, like a couple weeks later. I think even right after. <laughs> uh, well, I, I went. I went and ordered, uh, you know, a double, a double, and uh, fries and a chocolate frosty. I pull through, and I, I get the order, and she goes. Enjoy. She was working at both places. The same lady. Yes. No way. And very happy, like positive energy. Enjoy. So then I started saying that around the baseball team. Enjoy. Enjoy me. Enjoy that. Enjoy us. Because you play baseball, everything like picks. Everything picks up, you know, on little things. So enjoy was from that lady that worked at the McDonald's and the Wendy's. That's she was awesome. just so happy about her. Enjoy. So I just took it because it was fun. I didn't yeah. take it, but well, it's a word. She's known it. Yeah, that's so, awesome. That's where that came from. And that's the thing, in my opinion, you just need to keep always in mind, man. Is like if there's ever ups and downs, is that it hurts for everybody. You've seen that through your own process and everybody's process. Like you said, you needed to see that it, that's how it is, and everybody's struggling to get their thing on. As long as you enjoy it, enjoy the process. Enjoy I've always said. I. Yeah, I mean, it feels. Yeah, enjoy the process. You get to meet cool people. Like I said, make a couple bucks. You feel appreciated. I do for most shows I work with. And most shows let me do my own thing. And it's not about me. It's about the show. But I get to get my little, you know, my little ego stroked. 
And uh, yeah, look, you're working on a, a studio lot. Who wouldn't want to hang show. out? Who would want to hang out on, in a studio? I get excited every time I go to a studio lot. Me too. I always dreamed of working on these lots, and now I do. Yeah. Night, guys. There you go. So, well, so I, I do appreciate it. it when I'm here. I love that. I don't take it for granted. Let me let you get to it then. Maybe I'll just record you tapering off and saying hi to the crowd as I uh, thank you for talking with me. You and your Twitter's that. at Brody's Me Friend, right? Yeah, and that's another one. Brody is me friend. Well, I mean, what, why isn't Brody is my friend? Well, I'll tell you. Because I was a waiter in New York, Cafe yeah. Undutois, 44th <laughs> and 6th, and I had two bus boys, a couple, Mr. Lee and Tony. Brody, you good guy, you me friend. They're from Albania and China. You good guy, you me friend. Brody is me friend. I love it. These are just homages to people. You're, you're, people think like I'm so cornball. You're just giving tributes out. Exactly. I love it. All right, let me see if I can talk. Finch, you want me to talk to him? Two minutes? Give me three minutes. Okay, I can do it. Guys, listen up for one second. Guys, one second. Thank you. First of all, uh, welcome to Hollywood. And Vince spoke to us already. We're gonna, my name is Brody. I'm friends with Chris. I was just hanging out, shooting ridiculousness. You guys watch that show? I hang out over there. Chris said, come over to At Midnight. I'm here tonight. And from what I hear, it's a great show. Are you guys excited to be here? Yeah. Woo! One other thing. I know you're good. I can tell right away. Uh, we're going to line up. And I usually come out earlier, but I was doing a podcast as I spent with my friend Ben Glee. Let him hear it. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Listen to that. Ben and I... We're both on Chelsea lately. We've been on it. I've been on it a bunch. Ben's been on it a ton of times. He's got a new show on the Game Show Network. It's right there. They're shooting it. 38 episodes. 40. 40 episodes in like two weeks. Right there. It's called Idiot Test. Oh, it's a funny <laughs> title. On Game Show Network. One more time for Ben. Please. Thank you. One more time for the best warm-up man in the business, Stephen Brody. Stephen. has been a production of Smodco Internet Radio. Sir, only at smodcast.com.